Welcome in. This is your Friday Scramble for February 11th, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there is Andy Lack. Andy, good Friday to you, sir. Good morning, man. How fun is this tournament? It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It, it's so good. It is so good. I am consistently amazed how just conditions that are a little, little firmer and faster can make for such an enjoyable viewing experience. It is a very simple recipe on the PGA tour. The best players will tell you that, uh, but when you combine firm and fast, plus the field that we have, plus the raucous activity going on in the stands at 8 AM, it is making for quite a beautiful viewing experience. Yes. I'm, I'm uh, very much enjoying it. And like, that's how they do it in the sand belt in Australia. Rick is like, they don't really believe in watering their courses. Now, for some reason, we in the United States, specifically the PGA Tour, have decided that we want to water our courses all the time and make them very soft. And that's where you get that target golf. So my hope is that they do not water, overwater the greens tonight, tomorrow night, and they continue to bake out because I'm having so much fun watching, uh, you know, pros just get a little testy. It's not like birdies aren't out there you know what i mean but there's also more trouble at every turn which in my opinion is makes for much more fun golf yeah and we are certainly indeed presented by prize picks we're going to do a prop it like it's hot segment in just one second but i think this comment here from dave's uh is a pretty good uh segue into not only the course but also how it's Im impacting things that are going on out there so he said what factors made the morning wave play tougher than the afternoon in round one and do you think that continues the rest of the week now andy uh, part of it, I think, is uh, what we talked about on Tuesday, which is like this. It, it's a little chilly in the morning and then the mm -hmm. sun comes out and kind of bakes all day long. But I think having it be warmer in the afternoon, not necessarily having to make changes on the fly with your numbers when it's, you know, 10 or 15 degrees colder and then you make the turn and now, now it's warmer. I think it's just a little bit easier when it's warmer the entirety of your tea time. Yeah, there was some wind too. So some of the high stakes DFS guys that I talked to were really in tune with this and they were like stack PM AM because it got, it was really windy for some reason on Thursday morning. And then the wind kind of died down a little bit. Um, so I do think that there was a little bit of a draw advantage yesterday from the morning. I think it played, I think there was about a little over a shot difference. Um, which is a pretty sizable edge, uh, all things considered. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of continues on because it looks like there isn't much more wind. And I would normally think actually when it bakes out more um, and the greens continue to firm up, that's going to favor the guys that go off earlier going forward. But we'll see. I think wind is, this is generally dome golf, right? It's generally not a lot of wind. So even when we get a little bit of wind, that could give an edge. Couple of names at the top of the leaderboard uh, and a couple of noteworthy things that happened on this Friday morning. Sahith Tagala, and he finished his opening round on Friday morning. They were suspended due to darkness last night. So we got a situation where a handful of guys came back out and finished their round one on Friday. Now, what's important about this is Sahith was seven under. He was clear by himself in the lead he overnight slept on like a 12 foot par putt on eight his second to last hole of the day 
he missed that, dropped to six under, then made bogey on his final hole of the day to drop to five under, which left KH Lee backdooring the first round leader, which is like quite, quite the way to get the full share of the first round leader wagers, isn't it? Yeah, I th- I think I saw some KH Lee first round leader tickets uh, out there as well. So to c- congrats to all um, who hit that. Man, Sahith is... I'm kicking myself with Sahith because I talked about him a ton last week. He's been on my radar. And then a guy misses the cut on the number and we just completely jump off. I think both... I think we've talked about Sahith together too. I think we're both yeah. incredibly high on the talent. Um, and I, I think, you know, big things in store for him. I wish I had a little bit more of him this week, but I can't say I'm super surprised by the strong play. Well, one of the big storylines coming into the week was the strength of the field and through a round and a few holes, we are seeing a lot of big names lurking near the top of the leaderboard. Patrick Cantlay, Justin Thomas, Bubba Watson, Brooks Kepka, John Rahm, uh, Xander Shoffley, all within a couple of shots of the lead. Louis Ustase, and I could go on and on. And even your guy, Adam Hadwin, making some noise here early in round two. As we record or we're live right now, uh, he's one shot off the lead and he's uh, about halfway through a second round. Okay. Can we talk about Adam Hadwin for like 45 seconds? So, So however long you want. Okay. So Adam Hadwin. So I declared on one of my podcasts earlier this week, it was the most confident I've ever been in a 6k golfer in my entire time doing this. Wow. And I, I had that had super, super blow up potential and it, it still does have blow up potential. So proceed with caution. But the reason why I liked Adam Hadwin so much this week, Rick is, and the reason why I actually think he can win this tournament. And I think he'll still be there on Sunday is these are not Bermuda greens, right? This is a specific, uh, overseed of Bermuda greens that we don't see very often. We see it at PGA West. We see it here. Uh, we see it very similarly at Innisbrook at the Valspar. And we also see this type of overseed as well at the players championship. Now, Combine all of those courses together over a large sample size, like 77 rounds we have of putting on those courses. Number one putter in this field, Adam Hadwin. And yeah, number one putter on these overseeded Bermuda greens. Now, I know, talk talk about a unnecessary deep dive that kind of found a way to pay off so far. And we want to talk about Desert Golf Rec. We want to talk about comp courses, PGA West, TPC Summerlin, only player in this field outside of Patrick Cantlay that has been better, that has gained more strokes at PGA West and TPC Summerlin. You guessed it, Rick. Mr. Adam Hadwin. Mr. Adam Hadwin. What's like the likeliest finish for Adam Hadwin this week? So as we are talking right now, he is in second by himself, one shot off the lead. Does Is this just the 29-hole burst out of the gate, or does he actually have staying power here? I think he has staying power. If you're asking me the most likely finish, it's probably like a T7. Um, I think he's going to be around. I don't think that he is going to firmly eject. Um, he hit the ball really, really well at uh, Pebble last week. I think, I don't know. I'd probably set the over under at T7. What would you say? You'd probably, 
smart move is probably to go over. I would take the over, meaning like yeah. worse than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because there are so many good names lurking. And listen, I, I actually always think, you know, people want to talk about moving day. Friday on the PGA Tour for some of the cheaper golfers, the guys who are like, well, you know, 80 to one or longer is critically important and you learn a lot. It's not, hey, they anybody on the PGA Tour can play one good round and they can go out for 18 holes and kind of get lucky and be near the top of the leaderboard when they have to either um, turn around and go go right back out and do it again, or they have to sleep on it for a long time. You learn a lot about their staying power in round two. So I think we're going to learn a lot about Adam Hadwin. So far, so good. And of course, he's not like, uh, it's not like his first time on tour, right? I mean, the guy's a seasoned vet. He's been in the heat of battle before. I um, I would take over T7, but I, I, I don't think he completely ejects on this thing. So of the big dogs, Rick, like of the group of Cantlay, Rom, Thomas, I guess we can throw Hideki and Xander in there. Who scares you the most out of that group? If Justin Thomas could literally putt at all, he's like the scariest guy on the planet. I mean, the most, the most on-brand JT thing happened at 16 where he just stuffs it to five and a half feet and then misses the putt. And it's like, uh, of course, of course he did. Right. And it's just countless times throughout. Um, I think Hideki's pretty scary. Hideki is in this really unbelievable stretch of golf on a course that rewards his strengths on a course that he's had great success at. Uh, he's he to me is is super dangerous, I think. Yeah, Rom is having another one of those weeks too, Rick, where it just feels he he's like the inverse of Jordan Spieth to me sometimes where it feels like no one gets more out of bad golf than Jordan yeah. Spieth. It feels like no one gets less out of good golf than John Rom. Yeah, he'll shoot like a um a 60 like every score he shoots is always the worst round it could have been. Right? Like it's just like wow, he left three more out there. Or he left four more out there. It's just always the worst. Yeah, some guys you're getting like, oh, that's the best number he could have shot. Never happens with Rom. It's always the worst number he could have ever shot, which is a testament to how ridiculously good he is. And, you know, this year at least, he hasn't had that, oh, Rom is feeling it round. That kind of step on your neck round. It could be coming Saturday or Sunday. Um, because he's had it. Same thing at Tory. He was... He was lurking. He was playing well. Every single round, he was gaining strokes on the field, but he didn't have that, like, you know, performance that we see at Memorial where he just he beats the field by like three, two or three strokes. Right. So I'm going to be interested to see what, what Rom does over the weekend. I just, I'm with you, man. I watched a lot of JT yesterday. It, I mean, he had a couple instances where he's like leaving six foot eagle putt short on the amateur it's side. And it's just it's crazy. It's it's really frustrating to watch, and what's more frustrating about it is that I really thought that Bones would help more with this. It might be too early to tell. Yeah, fair. Um, they're still going to figure their stuff out, but yeah, I think that's one of the big... That is something I'll be keeping an eye on all year long because it's not for lack of trying. I don't even think it's lack of... Like, his stroke looks good. I think he misreads a lot of putts. Um which I don't know how you necessarily fix that unless you just hand the hand, hand the steering wheel over to bones and say, point to the spot you want me to hit it and tell me what speed. And we'll try it that way. Like, I don't know what the fix is for misreading a bunch of putts. 
I would think it would be having bones on the bag, right? And and yeah. it, it 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 hasn't panned out that yet that way yet. You're right though. I think it's a little too small of a sample size for us right now. But um, like we talk about litmus tests all the time, like whether JT finishes T20 or T3 or wins, like I'm not going to be super, I'm not going to have like a strong take Correct. either way. Like JT's been good. He's been not, he hasn't won in a while, but he's been really good, right? I think as we, how JT plays at the Masters, we'll say, is how I really make a stance on JT. And I think we both, just to give a little plug to our majors preview, we both really love him at the Masters as well. So that's that's really what I'm looking for with JT. Yeah, that's right. Andy and I did a way too early major preview, both available now on uh, the YouTube feed and the podcasting feed as well, which you can find in uh, the description below. Andy, I want to get to the props because they are timely and we're going to have to, uh, I want to get these into the top of the show because obviously they're out there playing right now. But before I do that, are, do you believe, do you believe in jinxes at all? Yes. Okay. Well then I'm not going to tell you. I just like, do you, I don't like when people tweet at me, saying like, oh, great pick on Thursday or when my golf group chats are like, oh, this guy's going to win. I don't, I think it's bad juju. I don't want like, let's not, I, I, what if, oh, we shouldn't have talked about Adam Hadwin, Rick. We shouldn't have talked about Adam Hadwin. All right. Well, I don't believe in jinxes. Um, so I'll, I will offset your Adam Hadwin with a jinx of my own. If, if that's fine. Um, Kevin Kisner. If Kevin Kisner wins this golf tournament, I will be flush with cash because on Wednesday night, he was 250 to one at Circa, Andy. And I was just scrolling through and I was like, that's, that seems long for a guy who wins once a year or whatever. And I went and looked around. He was like 80 to one at BetMGM. He was like a hundred to one at DraftKings. And I understood that, yes, it is probably less than a 1% chance that he wins this golf tournament on Wednesday night, but I just smashed it. So if if Kevin Kisner, who is currently, as we speak, three shots off the lead, uh, wants to win this golf tournament, I will be incredibly thrilled with that outcome. But But you're right. There is something like, okay, if you write somebody up or you pick somebody and they have a good Thursday, if all you care about is clout, and all you care about is like getting it right, you've done your job. People only remember what happened on Thursday. Like a guy who, um, a stud who struggles on Thursday, but then makes the cut and finishes T19, you get no credit for. And a guy who was your first round leader or near the top and then fades to T40, you get all the credit for. It is, it, it is shockingly bad how people perceive just what happens on Thursday. Yeah, it's really weird how that works. And yeah, a golf tournament, like how many times, and it's kind of our job to do this, but how many times do we look at the leaderboard on Thursday night or Friday night and make bold proclamations and stances about how this tournament's going to go? Oh, like last couple of weeks, Seamus Power, he's up. Seamus Power had a five stroke lead at one point at AT&T Pebble Beach, and he was going to play the easiest course. By midway through Saturday afternoon, he was not even a factor on in that tournament. Didn't get shown once on coverage. Russell Henley had a five-stroke lead with nine holes to play, right? So 
a lot can happen. I would say proceed with caution. If my guys are playing well that I wrote up and talked about on Thursday, I know this. Don't tweet at me. We'll see what happens when it's all done. All right. We are going to get into the props. We're going to give away some winners. Hopefully we've been pretty good at these recently, but we're going to take 30 seconds and we'll hit you with the props on the other side. Remember, Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field, but I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those two together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Let's prop it like it's hot. This is our segment dedicated to the props over at Prize Picks, which I've been absolutely loving. And then you get the week of the Super Bowl, and it's like, oh my God, I could bet props uh, every second for the rest of my life. And I have a little bit of an offer for all of you listening. The code you want is Rick. It's a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. I would greatly appreciate it because I would get paid on that as well. You would get paid. Prize picks would also make out like bandits. So it seems like a win-win-win situation. So Andy, uh, let's find a couple of props that have caught our attention. And actually, I'm looking at the outline. Matt Kuchar makes an appearance on both of our cards, yet in different ways. How are you deploying? Cooch. Okay, so I actually I liked Kucher pre-tournament. I played a little bit of Kucher pre-tournament, but I was looking at the over 69 fantasy points, which is or actually did you notice this, Rick? It said strokes. They, they changed, changed it. it. Yeah, so they made an update this week. Two big updates. Um, one, it's now called strokes instead of fantasy points, which is way less confusing. That's nice. And you no longer need to do one over and one under on your entries. You can do all unders you can do all overs the payouts just are adjusted differently so it's it's a, a big improvement to the golf product game changer yeah, yeah especially the two overs and two unders thing being changed to you can do whatever you want is awesome but i went with kuchar over 69 strokes pretty much kind of just what we talked about a little bit with i have I believe that the course is going to play harder in the afternoon. I think it's going to firm up. And I look at someone like Kucher who lost half a stroke off the tee, lost half a stroke on approach, and gained 1.6 putting and 2.2 short game. We know that isn't the most sustainable uh, method as well. I would feel a little more comfortable in Kucher if he was hitting the ball a little bit better and not relying so much on his short game and putting. So I feel pretty comfortable with over 69 strokes for Kucher. I will say. History has shown that you should go bet that right now if you want that number that Andy is referring to because we've seen immediately on this show or when something gets tweeted out that the lines are moving very quickly. A lot of people are jumping on this, so there's a link in the description. Kucher over 69 for Andy. I'm also kind of like fading Kucher, right? I have the I have an under, but my under is eight and a half fairways. So we're both kind of a bit down on Kucher, I, I completely agree with your statement. You know, he lost strokes off the tee. Um, he did not hit his fairway number in round one, and now he gets the afternoon tee time. And when those, when this course firms up, we saw it all day long. They'll land it in the fairway, Andy. They can land the ball in the fairway. Getting it to stop in the fairway is a completely different story. And you'll see a lot of guys who are one yard into the rough. 
because they hit the fairway, it rolled out, and it ran out into the, the first cut or into the primary cut, and now that's a missed fairway. So it's kind of like a cheap way to try to get some unders on fairways, but if we think the course is going to continue to dry out and firm up, I think that that's a likely scenario for a lot of guys in the afternoon. Yeah, me too. And and I kind of, I'm, I'll get right into my next one, which is an under green, or do you want to go first, Rick? I was just going to say, Kuchar's tee time is... It's 11.57 Pacific. So that means it is, what is that? 12.57 local, which would be 2.57 Eastern if I'm doing all of my math correct. So you have about um, almost minutes. two hours or so. No, you've got okay. a little more time than that, right? All so right. hold on. It's uh, 11.57. Yeah, two, two hours and 20 minutes you have to get that one in. If okay. I've done the math right. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, me doing math on this show feels like a lose lose. Um, but I, so Xander was the next guy that I wanted to talk about, Rick. Um, and you know, I'm a huge Xander guy, but I saw 13 and a half greens in regulation. And that felt really high to me. Now, 13. Yeah. So if you hit 14 greens at any course, if you hit 14 greens at, Kapalua, that's a that's a solid round, right? And I look at someone like Xander, who he's playing in the afternoon wave, which we both believe is going to be a little bit tougher than the morning wave. He lost almost a stroke on approach on Thursday um, with firm greens, like, and his irons not completely firing right now. Like that felt really high to me, Rick. Uh, yeah, I thought it was high as well. Um, we're going to talk about Xander, who is in COVID protocols technically so we're going to talk about him after the break but yeah it, it, he is I feel like I'm saying this a lot there's so many things that I want to track but like following Xander for the next couple of days I think is going to be really really interesting and seeing what he does in round two but you're right 13 and a half uh greens that's a lot anywhere and yeah. it's a lot here my final play here is Seamus power under 69 and a half now when I tweeted this out last night it was 70 so the, this is this is moving now 69, which is what you'd have to get to, to cash on that under, is two under par. Power was uh, decent enough from tee to green in round one. He gained about a stroke and a half. He lost more than that with the putter. He's generally a very good putter. I think this is kind of a good bounce back spot for him. So I'll take under on power 69 and a half. That's strokes. But again, I think you got to go get it now. These things are moving. I don't know if it's like how much action it takes to move one of these props, Andy, or if they move them all in unison, but like it, it we're, we're moving lines right now, but it's happening. That's how I choose to look at it. Right. I choose <laughs> to look at it as we are, uh, we are major, major market movers uh, on prize picks. Um, but yeah, I noticed that too. Like I, I can't emphasize this enough. Like I'll go on the site I went on early first thing this morning, an hour later, some of the numbers were different. So use promo code Rick, get in quickly and take some of these before the afternoon guys uh, tee off. I'm also very excited for Sunday's final round because you can do the mixed sport entries, oh. Andy, right? So give me like Burrow passing yards, John Rom strokes, Kevin Kisner fairway. Like, let me just like build a card uh, until my heart explodes. Like, it's going to be awesome. Uh, we should have done like, have you looked at all at the cross sport at all? The, the football, it's like, like the yeah. cam acres over cam acres versus like Xander's longest drive, like stuff like those. that. Yeah, I know. I I, I'm, I'm going to try and pull them up while we in the ad break and see if anyone catch my attention. 
Yeah, promo code Rick, 100% instant deposits up to $100. You definitely want to get on there and start uh, grabbing those lines because they literally are moving. We've got news coming up on the other side. Um, some interesting items that I, I want to pick your brain on, Andy. We have not necessarily discussed uh, on the scramble here recently. But again, we're going to take 30 seconds and we'll catch you in just a second. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. RickRunGood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel, currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. All right, Andy, I've got um I've got some things in the outline here, but there are a couple questions that I think are great in the chat that I do want to cover while we're just kind of vibing here. So, Instant Classic says uh, he has a betting strategy question. It says that I know parlays are usually a bad idea, but if you parlay multiple matchups that you believe you have an edge on, is there any value to be gained there? What are your thoughts on parlays in general, Andy? As Adam Hadwin misses a birdie putt. It was a good putt, though. Uh, parlays in general, and then doing it in matchups, which are arguably, uh, maybe I shouldn't even say that. What are your, what are your thoughts before I, before I taint your brain? It, I, I think that you need to kind of figure out what what you're betting for. If you're betting for fun, um, you should do parlays because parlays are really, really fun. If you're, you know, and then there's also like uh, expected value, nerdy, professional better answer to it too, which is those guys don't bet parlays because they aren't getting the real value from the chances. Like there's VIG baked in with everything, right? Like every single bet that you make, the sports book is taking something. And even for the parlay odds that you are given, you're they're still taking a VIG on that, right? So I would say probably if you want to have fun, yeah, I think that's really fun. I think if you're uh, confident about multiple matchups, of course, parlay them together. But if you are, you know, trying to be super, super serious about sports betting, um, and that type of stuff and really care about winning long-term and you're tracking everything, I would say parlays probably aren't the smartest thing to do a ton of. I'm glad you started with basically what are your goals? Because that's, yeah. that's the key, right? I assume 99.9999% of us are doing this recreationally. And if you can afford to lose it, parlay your brains out. Go for it. It's awesome, right? It's awesome. And everybody kind of wants the lottery ticket for life-changing money, month-changing money, week-changing money. If you get to go out to a nice dinner because of it, have at it. I don't care. It's all good. Um, but Andy's right. Like Every single bet you make is a losing bet. So piling them on top of one another is losing bet on losing bet on losing bet on losing bet. Now, there are... Uh, I, was I was looking for it while you were talking there, and I can't even remember who it's from. So I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but there's a good article or a good video that I watched that's basically like, yeah, parlays are bad, 
but parlays are really bad on things where the markets are very, very efficient. So when the market is very, very efficient on an NFL line and total, parlaying those is like the worst thing that you can do because you're just getting crushed and crushed and crushed. Uh, but on things like player props, on things maybe like round-by-round round matchups where the market is not nearly as efficient, there is a case to be made that that's a better way to parlay. I, I, if I can find the article or find the video that I watched, I will, I'll tweet it out. I, I don't know how I'm going to find it because I can't even remember who did it. But um, it, it is an interesting idea that the less efficient the markets get, parlays are still probably bad, but they're they're better. Yeah, no, that's a really good take. I completely understand what you're saying. I think that you're better suited parlaying like Henrik Norlander over Aaron Wise round three with like Sahith Tagala over XYZ um, parlaying those two together than you are parlaying the Super Bowl side in total together, right? Because as you mentioned, they're less efficient marketplaces. Like you can really like, from what I've heard from some of the serious betting people that I talked to, the biggest edge that they have been able to find in golf is matchups between non-stars. So matchups closer yeah. to the bottom of the board because the books just aren't going to put as much time, even sometimes as me and you are, Rick, in figuring out like who is I keep I don't know why Henrik Norlander keeps coming to mind. Who who are the who are who is Henrik Norlander, right? Who is Adam Hadwin, right? They're not going to put as much time trying to figure out who these guys are as golfers as they are a Rom, a JT, and a Brooks, et cetera. For sure. Absolutely right. And then the other one, the other question that I wanted to get to um was from Joe. What's your take on betting outrights pre-tournament versus waiting after round one to see if you could get a better line on a player? I'm generally a pre-tournament guy, Rick. Um, I will usually save like kind of one bullet in the holster for um, a live bet. I write an article every Friday night for Odds Checker where I try and identify like one or two guys above 25, 30 to one that are maybe four or five strokes back that I think can really make a run over the weekend. And I always take something small on those guys that I write up. But uh, yeah, I think they're, listen, there are people that are super, super in with live betting. It requires like you have to be sitting there by your computer, watching shot tracker, watching all these different books. Like we could even talk about Rick, like, oh, a guy hits a tee shot right down the middle at a par five. And, you know, like you can even get so into it where you could make decisions about, you know, what holes he has coming up and use that to an advantage. So yeah, I think live betting is a a very useful tool. If yes, if you're going to do it that way, um, which is a lot of brain power, a lot of math, a lot of figuring it out. That's, that's one thing. If you're not going to do that, I think that the two best betting options that you can make are pre-tournament or before the final round. So Pre-tournament gives you, on the long shot guys, the longest odds. So when you have a long shot guy who goes out and, you know, he's 101 before the tournament, he goes out and he shoots three or four under par, and he goes to, you know, 40 to one after round one or whatever it is, it's just like you're cutting your value there when it's just one round of golf and it could have been a fluke and you're maybe not getting the best number that you could have gotten. Um, And on the short guys, the ones that that books have, uh, a lot of liability on, you're never really getting that good of a number on them after round one. Like it's not, 
if they're in contention, they're just chopping their odds, right? It's not like you're getting anything special there. Uh, and there's still a lot of golf to be played. But before the final round begins, now you probably have, for the most part, and there's chaos every single week, but there's like six to eight guys who can win on a Sunday, for the most part. All right, right. Six to eight guys. It gives you kind of a more narrow view. You've seen three rounds of action. So I would prefer if you are not going to do the whole by whole shot by shot thing, figure out the math, run the EV, you, you should be betting pre-tournament or you should be betting before round four. I agree. And especially Rick with these courses where we have shot tracker on, like, I think it's a lot easier to bet a tournament tournament like this live than what we had at Pebble beach, where you have this crazy three course rotation and two of the courses don't have shot tracker. Um, so I agree with you. I think there are a lot of ways to go at it. Um, I think looking at strokes gained stats mid tournament is, is worthy and, and kind of everything you mentioned as well. All right. Your boy, Xander Shoffley, who we mentioned in the props kind of mentioned at the top, um, is in COVID protocols. Now the, the version of COVID protocols, uh, is similar to John Rahm's version that, that forced him to withdraw from the Memorial Andy. So we found out that, uh, his caddy Austin Xander's caddy Austin tested positive, which means Xander is a close contact and to continue playing every single round. Xander needs to test negative every single day. So, while he is still playing, I guess there is a looming, I don't want to say looming black cloud, but a looming black cloud that at any point, if he does not test negative, uh, he would be forced to withdraw from this event. Yeah, I'm trying to put myself in that mindset. Like with that, do you think that would free you up? Like, do you think that would make you play worse? Like, I, I just, I'm trying to like figure, there's no comp to this. Right. No. Like, I guess it, like in other sports, right. Like you have on football, right. Like you'll have Tyree kills in COVID protocols. He's question. He, you don't know if he's going to play on Sunday, but golf is golf is so different in that sense. I'm trying to like put myself in that mindset and kind of figure out what that would be like for him. Yeah. Everybody's different. Right. I'm very much like, control the controllables. If I can't control something, I am not going to expend the brain power or the energy on it. So if this were me, I'd be playing like, this might not matter anyway. This would free me up. Some guys yeah. would be probably constantly thinking about when's that test come back? Is this even worth it? What am I doing out here? I, I guess we'll never know how Xander's going to take it, but it, it is, um, it is interesting because th this is really the only way, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, that you could now on the PGA tour kind of be knocked out because of COVID because they don't do the regular testing anymore. I think you can either request a test if you're symptomatic or if you are in close contact with someone who does test positive, you're in the protocols. But I don't even think they do the on-site testing every single player anymore. I think you're right about that. So does this affect... I, they're not going to send him out solo today, are they? He's still going to play with his group, right? I, uh, yeah, he's still going to play with his group. They remember they did this the COVID group that one week. They were like, "Hey, you three guys tested positive. You're playing together. Like, just ha we're going to have a COVID group." I don't think they do that. I don't think they do that anymore. No, I don't. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I mean, we'll see, man. Xander got off to a good start, um, and. I think that this is always going to be a really good spot for him. My, my biggest concerns were kind of the, uh, the coming over from Saudi, but a lot of the guys that came over from Saudi like Bubba and um, 
answer was pretty good too. Xander was pretty good. Like they all played, they've all been playing pretty well. So I would be personally crushed if, uh, if something happened to Xander, especially if he was in contention and fingers crossed, man, hoping for the best. It's, it's all very strange. Uh, yes, we live in a weird, weird world. Uh, we were talking about the, how cool this event is, how great this course is. The comeuppance of this event yeah. in the last 10 years is pretty unbelievable, right? They went from just another tour stop to, hey, we're going to do this on Super Bowl Sunday to, hey, we're going to build a coliseum to, hey, we're going to make such a great experience that all the players are going to want to come here. And now the strength of field is that of a memorial or an invitational like I, what a trajectory this event has been on. It has an identity, right? And it's a good golf course. And that is your best case for attracting players to non-majors, to these uh, Arnold Palmer Invitationals and Honda Classics and, and Memorials and, and all those things and Rivieras. Like all of the tournaments that aren't majors that attract good fields they have a real identity and players, the same players like coming back there year after year. And it helps that this is a course where, um, you know, Rom is always going to play here because of the Arizona state connection. Hideki yep. is always going to play here because he's played, he's played great here. JT and Spieth are probably always going to come back here because they've been really good here as well. And I, I what's cool to me is like, why is Adam Scott here this week, right? Like Adam Scott at some point was, and maybe it's just a, a tune up, which I don't like that phrase for Riviera or whatever, but you know, Adam Scott's here for the first time. And I think that really just speaks to the fact that, uh, like you said, this tournament's really on the rise and I expect it to have a really great field going forward. There is so much, uh, of a, of a PGA tour event, a non-major, non-invitational regular tour stop. It's all about marketing. It's 100% marketing and whoever is in charge of the marketing at this event should be compensated very well because they, to lean into the stadium, uh, to lean into the greenest show on turf or whatever they call it, to lean into, Hey, this is the party stop. We're going to be a little bit different. We're going to let 200,000 people in whatever it is. Uh, it's brilliant. Why, why doesn't every tour stop have an identity or at least Andy, like a signature hole? Right? Like, what are we like? I feel like there's a lot of marketing departments out there that are screwing this up. So I'm trying to think what are kind of the other non-major tournaments on tour that you think have an identity. I mm. think the ones that come to mind for me is I think Riviera has an identity because I think it's the Tiger Woods Foundation. It's a classic, one of the best golf courses in the country. And guys, yeah. yeah. But now it's an invitational. Yes. So it's not even a regular tour stop. <laughs> so, so you can't even really choose. That's a good point. Um, so I'll read you. I'll read you the uh, like the regular tour stops here in 2022. So we've got moving forward. So we've got um, Valspar. We've got Punta Cana, the Valero Texas Open, RBC Heritage. You, you could argue, of, right? Yeah, Zurich kind of. is a team event. Okay, so that's different. You've got the team event. Um, we're going to get the Mexico open for the first time. So we'll see what that looks like, but then you've got Wells Fargo, Byron Nelson, Charles Schwab challenge. These are all just like events on the schedule. 
Uh, when you get to Travelers, that's a very highly regarded event by the players because they put on such a good um such a good show there. And then like they'll charter a plane from the US Open to get guys there. But there are just so many normal events. Yeah. No, you're right about the travelers too. And I think the travelers field this year is going to be really, really good. Cause I think it's a week after the U S open and the U S open is in Boston this year. So yeah, it's going to be, they're going, a to get a good, really, they're going to get a good field. Yeah. So that's going to be a really short trip. You're right. Like it, I, I wish some of these courses, like I wish Byron Nelson would just say, you know what? We're going to be the course every year that is going to be really hard or really right. easy, or we're going to be the event every year that we're going to go to this different place. And you, you know what I mean? Like they're, yeah, they're or we're going to put, we're going to put um, a shot clock on these guys, or we're going to let them play a scramble. Or if you don't want to actually impact the format. So Greenbrier, Greenbrier had a really Greenbrier is hard to get to. It's, it had a terrible spot on the schedule, but you remember that they used to have, um, a par three, eight, 18th hole, which is different. And they would give out cold, hard cash. If someone made an ACE and you were in the stands there, remember the first ACE, they would give you a hundred bucks. The second ACE would be 500 and the third ACE would be a thousand dollars. So like, if you're a, if you're fans, you're like, I should go to this event and I should sit by 18 and try to win money and watch this closing hole. At least that was something. There's just like no difference between the three M open, the rocket mortgage and like whatever other event that's happening. Yeah. It's a, a green bar, by the way, great golf course. Shout out CB McDonald. Um, I, I agree with you. It's just, there needs to be, there needs to be something there. They blend together too often. And I think, I think you're right. I think, courses like very new and interesting courses that have a real identity are an easy answer and kind of associating yourself with a brand like Phil Mickelson Phil Mickelson kind of puts on the PGA West tournament now right but it, it's still yeah, like, like the host yeah I think you could go that way the Arnold Palmer the Jack Nicholas the Tiger Woods route too to maybe help but yeah I wish a lot more of these these tournaments kind of went to interesting and, and different golf courses and such. Alejandro in the chat says, give a hundred thousand dollars to every round leader, which kind of goes off of um, my idea was if I was commissioner of the PGA tour, I would pay the guys if they win, if they're the low score in their group every single round to like incentivize them to continue to play. This isn't bad either, right? Like, okay, UFC has fight of, uh, of the night or whatever, right? They give these bonuses. If you had an event that was just like giving a bunch of bonuses for beating the other guys in your group or uh, yeah, being the leader after a certain round, or if you make three birdies in a row, you get whatever, like, I'd be a lot more interested in that. Let's just throw the, the golf and the PGA tour have always tried to like, not say how much money they win, right? It's always FedEx cup points. And they always talk about how much they give to charity, which is a lot of money, but honestly, it's a much more compelling case to be made when on 18, this five footers for $1.3 million, not for 500 FedEx cup points. I think this whole conversation that we've just spent the last 10 to 15 minutes talking about is like why 
the startup golf leagues exist. I think they're having the exact same conversation as us and saying, okay, look, there's a lot of room for improvement here. And, and whatever you want to say about them, I think we can all agree that there's room for improvement on the PGA tour. That's not me saying I want my favorite players to go leave and play in other leagues, but hopefully um, the threats of, other places thinking outside the box and saying, Hey, here's what we could do better. Maybe makes the PGA tour kind of adapt some of these, uh, mentalities that we've been talking about. Yes. Um, I completely agree. One of these days I'll sit down and say, if I was in charge of golf, here's how everything would go. And I'll talk about it for nine consecutive hours. But, um, there is something else that is interesting. We're going to take a break here for a second, but Andy, are you, have you watched the Manning cast? Yeah. I'm on a big fan. I'm a big fan of you. Uh, yes, I will not. I will not go back to regular the regular broadcast if the Manning cast is available. Yeah, I I, I really like it too. Um, so I'm hopefully excited for what golf has. To okay, show with that we are going to talk about what that might look like for golf, but we're going to do it in 30 seconds. Caesar Sportsbook has a new awesome offer for those who haven't signed up yet. They'll match your first deposit with a free bet up to $1,500 when you deposit at least 50 bucks. That means if you deposit $500, you'll get a $500 free bet credit. It's one of the best offers currently available. And this offer from Caesars and more offers from BetMGM and BetRivers are available at rickrungood.com slash bets. Find your state and find your offer. More states being added often. Good luck. The Manning cast. This is, if you have not been paying attention, Peyton and Eli Manning on most Mondays. It's not every Monday night football game. It's like nine or 10 a year. Uh, basically sitting at their home, bringing on guests and providing an alternative broadcast, which is phenomenal because they can get great guests. They are good enough obviously they can speak to the game andy as as former quarterbacks and it's laid back it's fun it's less stuffy than the regular broadcast i think this is probably the future for for all sports right like we get into a situation where viewers really have the ability to choose what they want to have on their broadcast and i think golf presents a really appealing option like if you have a uh, an alternative broadcast of phil and somebody else, you know, just kind of shooting the shit and talking. That would be something I would tune into. We talked about this before Rick off air, but a broadcast where no one's really saying anything and you get <laughs> yes. natural sounds and conversations between players and caddies. I tune into that, um, a broadcast that you actually have people that understand gambling and know about gambling. Me and Rick are available. Um, yes. Like I tune into that too. So I think there's a ton of options and I hope golf does this stuff and thinks outside the box. So I would definitely pay for just the natural sounds, just the no announcers and somebody, okay. Somebody slide into my DMS or email me because I read something. This is from a forum about surround sound. Andy, maybe you know about this. So there is apparently a way 
or maybe it used to be, I don't know if it still works this way with surround sound, but the way that surround sound works apparently is with your different speakers, the way that it kind of comes in is like different feeds. And, um, you know, the background noise might be one feed and announcers might be another. Cause I went to some guy's house and he had surround sound and he basically shut off the line. That was the announcers for a football game. And it was still the, everything else except like that part of the feed. I don't know if that still exists. Have you ever heard of anything like this? I haven't, but I would love that. I would pay yeah. for that because how frustrated do we get some, like I watch a lot of golf on mute um, just because like I'm sometimes I like watching it, forming my own opinion. I like putting a podcast on in the background and stuff like that. But yeah, I would, uh, there's so many options and I, and I hope that they lean into this the way that football is starting to. Yeah. So if somebody knows how to do that with surround sound, uh, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll set it up because I would love that. But the Manning cast, so they've extended the deal on this. So the Manning brothers are going to do ESPN football through two or three more years, but it's all produced by, I believe it's Peyton's uh, production company. It's called Omaha Productions. And they have also alluded to the fact about bringing this to different sports. So they're talking about UFC, they're talking about college football, and they're talking about golf. So let's start with the logical. Um, Phil would probably be a candidate to do this, but who else could pull this off? Because golf's weird, right? The Mannings are just out of the game. Uh, golf, there's not really like a hard retirement. You know what I mean? And I guess you could have different, like Phil probably still wants to play some weeks and he's going to want to play major championships and he's going to, he's going to want to do stuff like that. Like it, it might be hard to tie him down to something like this every single week because there's not like a real retirement date in golf they would have to outbid what Phil thinks that he could make playing. They can't Saudi. afford him. Yeah. <laughs> they can't afford the, it. <laughs> that's the issue with Phil. I think, you know, it would be really good, Rick, in my opinion. Um, like I thought bones was so good when he was on the broadcast. If um, I'm trying to think of like retired caddies or yeah. mate, like I'm, I don't know. Would a would a great caddy leave a good player's back to do this? Not saying that I want to break up um, any good teams between great players and great caddies, but I think if you paired somebody like Phil, um, maybe with a very very experienced caddy like Bones was just the first guy that came to mind. I think that would work really well. Yeah, caddies would be good. Um... Like David Faraday, I'd be interested in mm -hmm. uh, yeah. because I think he knows when to talk and when not to talk, which is literally <laughs> the most important critical thing. Uh, like, yeah, it's amazing. And I also think that he would be you'd get the you'd get the humor, you know, all that good stuff along the way. I I, I would tune in for Faraday, but I don't know if the list is all that long, to be honest with you. It's not that long. I was just thinking this is probably too niche. But would you tune like for the U.S. Open? Would you tune in to Gil Hans, who designed that course? Maybe it's too. I, niche. Th You'd have to bring him on. You, but but if you had him on, you know how the the Manning brothers they did like segments, right? So like they'd bring sure. in somebody for a quarter. If you brought in the course designer or the superintendent of the course they're playing in the moment, I think that's interesting. I don't think they could host it or be a full part of it, but I think that's interesting. Yeah, I, I I just thought about the guy at Royal St. George's. Uh, yeah, let's Paul. okay. He can stay on the whole time. That guy's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Paul. But Larson. wouldn't it be interesting to have him on? Okay, the first you know the first 
whatever many minutes, 15 minutes and be like, Hey, we laid a lot of water on this thing last night. And we're a little bit worried about the green at 13 or like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that could be a good setup for the day because it's not football where the field is the same length and width every single week, but it's changing not only week by week, but literally like round by round. I would be interested in that. Yeah. And I think what's kind of tricky about golf too is like, so Phil came on the Manning cast. Um, I don't know how I like, how would you feel about like Tom Brady coming on and stuffing like that and try and trying to talk golf? I feel like golf is, I don't know. It's, it's hard to kind of try and figure out like, do I want golf guys talking about golf or, or am I okay with kind of what the Manning cast did a little bit? It is an interesting balance of what they're going to be able to do. Also, I hate to be the, like the Debbie downer here, but the broadcast rights are going to be a huge issue. So the reason that the Mannings can do this for Monday night football is because every Monday night football game is on ESPN. They just have to make a deal with ESPN. What happens when you have to try to do this? Are you only going to do it with CBS events? Are you only going to do it with uh, NBC events? What happens on major championship week? Like, it's just, I hate to be the bear of bad news, but that is going to be a huge issue. They're going to have to figure out. And I don't know how they're going to, it's a lot simpler when the only distributor is one network. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's what kind of, I think football is kind of, fighting the same battle with if you have a situation where I think if Amazon owns the rights to certain football games, then what Amazon can do is Amazon can add multiple different broadcasts. Like they have the draft scouting focused one with Daniel Jeremiah. They have the regular broadcast, but I don't think there's a situation where um, like CBS can have, it could be a CBS event, but then NBC can put on their own alternative broadcast the event like that can't work at all. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Or a sport or even a sports book. I, I don't know if a sports book can have a situation where they, yeah, it's complicated. Not without paying. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's why ESPN is so easy to do because they can run it on ESPN two. They can put it on the app. They can, they can get it from everywhere. And unless CBS wanted to run the alternate broadcast on CBS sports on the streaming network, on the streaming channel or something like that. But it, it's just, it's going to be tough. Going to be, be tough. tough. Going to be tough. Um, okay. So real quick before we get out of here, Riviera next week. Uh, which you and I will be making an appearance at. I'm definitely going to be there Thursday, maybe Friday as well. I'm definitely going to be there Thursday, maybe Friday as well. Yeah, this one's in my backyard, Rick. I'm super excited about this. I live about 15 minutes from the course, so I will be there. Excited to see you again, my friend. And uh, if anyone else is is coming out to that tournament, I'll definitely be there at the very least Thursday. Yes. And, uh, the course itself, first of all, this event with the invitational and the players that it gets, uh, the setup and the routing of Riviera. Oh, oh my God. I, I mean, it's, it's perfect. And especially comping it to Tori, which is such a difficult walk and, and like so hard to get everywhere. I'm, I'm very excited about this one. Yeah. Not to get too nerdy into the architecture stuff, but like, this is one of the architectural marvels of the 21st century. It, it is from the Philadelphia school of design. It's from the golden age of golf course architecture. It is absolutely pristine. And one of the things that I like about Riviera as well, 
that's another tournament where they say, okay, we're going to let it play a little firmer and faster. And, and that's why you get a winning score between like six and 14 under. So the stretch of golf that we are on right now, um, really, really exciting stuff. I love it. Um, okay. Last thing, uh, cause I've been meaning to ask you this for a while. Like you've been doing this like full time now for, I don't know how, like, how are, how are things going for you? Like, I'm so proud of people who make the leap to like do golf full time and stuff. Like how, how are things going? It's been great. And I always said, like, I always, I really credit people like you and Pat for kind of showing me the roadmap in terms of like, okay, this is, this is how hard you have to work to really do this. Um, because I really have taken my cues from you there, but I'm, I'm loving it, Rick. I can't even believe that, um, my, the first podcast that I ever did was last year's match play. So about, yeah, you told me that and I couldn't believe that. Yeah. So about 10 months ago, I had like 37 Twitter followers. <laughs> um, so, so I'm, I'm really happy of what I've been able to accomplish, um, in the last year. A lot of that thanks and credit goes to you. And, um, I'm excited to see where it goes again. I, I get a lot of, should I quit my job to do this? And I don't yes. want to be that person that tells you yes or no. Um, but I do think this is a space that is expanding over the next couple of years. It's a rocket ship for sure. But also it is a very specific type of person who should make the jump. And it's not for everybody. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be because a lot of people are, can, can make money on the side and enjoy it and be very happy with it and supplement their regular income. But, uh, I'm, I'm so stoked about where we're headed in the next, you know, couple of years. Yeah. It's really exciting. I think I, I'm going to butcher this stat, but I think, and the pandemic really helped with this a lot, but I think since the pandemic started with, golf being the first sport to come back golf in terms of betting handle has been the fastest mm. growing sport outside of MMA in terms of people that. that are, that are betting on it and playing draft games. So I will tell you, this is obviously anecdotally, but like, uh, the first cut podcast downloads and listens or whatever metric you want to use for that had its third best month ever in January. Now, mm -hmm. Andy, I don't need to tell you for January to be the third best month ever is crazy because it's usually like April, April, you know, May, June. It's it's all the it's when you get to the Masters, it's when you get to major championship seasons. So the 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 growth of that is um shocking, shockingly big. So we're, we're everybody's very excited about where this is going. Me too. More people listen to my Sony Open preview than they did my US Open preview. So I just think there that there's a there's an appetite um, for golf right now. And uh, I feel very blessed that we get to talk about it every week. Yeah, we get paid to do this. Uh, there's an appetite for Kevin Kisner to make this 18-foot putt to get to. Oh, he did. Oh, my God. Perfect timing. He rolled it in. He's uh, he's seven under. Wow. He's currently two shots. But if, if, God, if Kevin Kisner wins this golf tournament, you have no idea how happy I'll be. <laughs> you have we no idea. Yeah, you will be buying uh, me dinner at at Riviera. Whatever you want, that's the, <laughs> if that's the Whatever case. Whatever you want. Holy crap! I already told I already told producer or producer Mina. I said if if this if this happens, uh, there will be a simulator in this house in within seven <laughs> days. 
Like that's that's happening. Holy crap, he rolled it in. Okay, well, I got to get out of here before I start foaming at the mouth. Uh, Andy, a pleasure as always. Uh, we're probably going to... Okay, so programming note. Next week is wild. So there is, uh, there's a fantasy conference in Vegas, so there's going to be a lot of people here uh, that we're meeting up with, so we might adjust the, the, the time of like Tuesday's scramble. I'll, I'll work with you on that, bud. And then I think we're actually going to go on a Saturday scramble next week because I'll be traveling back from Riv. That's what we decided, right? A Saturday scramble? That works for me, man. I'm flexible, whatever you need. I appreciate that because next week is absolutely bonkers. So uh, we will tweet out and let you guys know what the schedule is. And obviously we'll have the rooms created on YouTube so you can hit the notification and make sure you know what time everything's rocking and rolling and it'll be in your feeds and all that good stuff. But uh, for now, big thanks. Producer Mina flipping all the scenes behind. Shout uh, out the, producer Mina. Yeah. How about that? She's raised, she's raising the roof right now. I can see. Yeah, that's, that's all right. That's fine. And uh, you can follow Andy on Twitter at ADP lack sports. You can follow me at Rick run. Good. We will see you on Tuesday.